we're in this message series called One Another. And today we get to wrap that up. So again, I'm just so glad you've joined us for this. It's, uh, it's going to be a good message. There are 59 one another statements in the Bible. That's right. Just under 60 uh, exhortations in Scripture to actually do something towards another person. Um, these are behaviors that we do out of an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. So much of the focus today in churches is on Sunday morning, and I get that, right? That's where everybody comes, and so you look at the church world today, and it's all about how you can do Sunday morning bigger and better than ever before, and we've got lights, we've got video walls, we've got haze machines, we've got uh, all sorts of fancy uh, worship technology, and if we're not careful, we lose what the early church was all about. Uh, in fact, um, I read this quote by Andy Stanley, and it really stood out to me. He said, the primary activity of the early church was one anothering one another. Now, think about that for a minute. One anothering one another. That's what the early church was all about. Uh, let it soak in for a minute. Now, ask yourself this. How much one anothering is going on in the church world today? It really is the essence um, of, of living out your faith, how you love God, how you love others. Uh, he also went on to say, when everyone is sitting in rows, you can't really do one another's. Now, think about that as well. When you're sitting in a row at church, it's really hard to do all of this love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, honor one another, admonish one another. Why? Because you're listening, you're a spectator. And so that's why the focus of the church is not Sunday morning. It's not the one hour a week that you've tuned in uh, to watch online. It's actually when you leave church, that's where your priority is. If the majority of our church's time is spent into hurting people into rows, we're not going to have an abundance of opportunities to really be the church. And so when we're intentional about biblical community, what we do, we create space so we can do these one another's together. One of our core values as a church is commitment, that we will be the church every day of the week. That means our focus is not just on Sunday morning. Um, that's a little different from a lot of other churches, right? We care about Sunday morning, but our focus is how we live out our faith every day of the week. And that's why we're doing this series. Now, as a church, we want to provide you opportunities to connect in community, to serve in love, and to grow in your love for God and one another. So this morning, I want to focus in on the statement, how we are devoted uh, to one another. And we'll find that in Romans. So let me just ask you a question this morning. What comes to your mind when you hear the word devotion? Uh, what do you think about when you hear the word devotion? Uh, devotion is defined in the dictionary as a strong feeling of love or loyalty. What's an example of being devoted to, to someone? We see some examples in our world today. Um, I think about musicians who are devoted and practice hour after hour after hour. I got to see this uh, with my son Luke and just how much time he spent. Uh, you know, people ask us all the time, did you have to really get him? Did you have to force him to practice? No, we had to force him not to practice because he was playing instruments nonstop all the time. He just loved it that much. That's devotion. 
maybe you've seen a professional athlete. Um, and so whether it's an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete, you see how much time they spend in the gym and the weight room developing their skill and their craft so they can do what they do. Maybe celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary or 60th or even 75th wedding anniversary, you step back and say, wow, that is an example of true devotion. And so while we see some examples in our world today of devotion, I feel that we live in a time where that in many ways it kind of promotes a lack of devotion. We live in a consumer-driven, a self-seeking culture. What do I mean by that? Um, the consumer-driven, self-centered culture says, if you're not happy in a marriage, hey, just go find someone else. Hey, you gave it a good try. That's good. Just move on. Don't worry about devotion. If you go to a job and you're feeling sick of it, hey, go find another job. Don't be devoted to your job. They're not devoted to you, so why should you be devoted to them? Um, what else? Uh, you, you see this uh, even in school, right? Uh, if a teacher, you go to a class and a teacher is hard or you don't like what, the, you know, you feel like it's not fair, then what do you do? You're like, well, um, I'll just I'll drop out of the class and find somewhere else. You see that in college a lot. You know, kids just dropping in and out of classes. Um, now, I know there's times that we do need to make a change in life. I'm not minimizing that. But are we doing it because of the right motives? Are we doing it because of the right reasons? So let me just ask you, what are you devoted to in life? Uh, are you devoted to your family or your career, your hobbies, your friends, your gadgets? That's a problem in our world today. A lot of us, we're, we're more devoted to our gadgets than we are uh, to, to, our, to our faith. Are you devoted to God's word? Are you devoted to church? And so what does devotion really look like in the life of a believer? That's what we're talking about this morning. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Uh, I have it on the screen here beside of me um, this morning. Um, and so maybe you can see that, maybe you can. If not, you can just follow along in your Bibles. But we'll be in Romans 12 for the majority of time this morning. I love Romans 12. Well, incredible chapter of the Bible. Uh, Chip Ingram describes it this way. He says, being a genuine disciple of Christ flows out of a relationship with Him. It's about experiencing God's grace, not earning His love through performance. A real relationship with Jesus Christ will produce a follower whose life progressively looks more like His life. Romans 12 uh, provides a relational profile of an authentic disciple. Uh, someone who is surrendered to God, separate from the world's values, sober in his self-assessment, serving in love, and who supernaturally responds to evil with good. And that's what Romans 12 is about. We did a study years ago here at Cornerstone called R12 uh, that I still hear people talk about today. It was probably over 10 or 12 years ago when we did this study, but we just did a church-wide study on what Romans 12 is all about. It actually... Uh, Paul, what he does, he's instructing the Romans that this is the kind of behavior uh, that is expected of a Christian in response to the grace of God. So Paul, he, he starts by making it clear that we are to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's look at Romans uh, 12, 1. Uh, it says, I appeal to you, uh, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, to sacrifice, what does it mean? It means that we behave in a way that's not convenient to us. It means there's a cost to it. Uh, to sacrifice is to do things that may interrupt our schedule. It may infringe on our way of life. Uh, to be holy, though, means that we're separate, that we are different from the world around us. And so when Paul speaks about living our life as a living sacrifice, he is obviously speaking in spiritual, spiritual terms. He's speaking that our behavior shows that we have been changed by the grace of God, and we are now living our lives as a result of this transformation. He goes on in verse 2 to talk about this transformation even more. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, you, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so to be a Christian is to be transformed. And I think we all understand what transformation means, right? It just means we're changed. We're different. We're not what we used to be. Now, let me give you a real life example uh, maybe you've heard of a transformer that's on, you've seen these as you drive down the road. They're on electrical, you know, the, the power poles. Uh, you'll see a big, it looks like a trash can up high. It's a transformer. What does that transformer do? It takes the high voltage that's going down the lines. This is my engineering background coming out sometimes. I like examples like this. Um, it takes the high voltage that's going down the line and it transforms it into a lower voltage that can be used by everybody. So that's what a transformer does. So when a transformer blows, that's why we lose power. Uh, it loses that ability to, to lower the voltage for us. And so what we do in a spiritual sense, we're transformers. We, we receive God's power, and then we redistribute it out in a way that the world can use, that the world can see, that the world can experience. And so we take that voltage, we take that spiritual power from the Holy Spirit, and then we send it out. That's what, when we're transformed by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what happens in our lives, by the renewal of our mind, right, so that we can discern, so that we can show what is good, acceptable, and perfect to God. We can demonstrate that. That's why we are living sacrifice for, for Jesus. And so that's the backdrop of chapter 12. Right? That's how he opens this up. You're, we're a living sacrifice. We're transformed. We're to go out for the world to see. And so uh, let's talk about the rest of the chapter. talks about our conduct, how we live out our faith, how we use our spiritual gifts, how we treat each other. And I want to focus in um, on, the, on the part that talks about devotion and honor this morning. So here's my first lesson this morning. It's simply this, being devoted to one another means that you love each other like family. If we want to talk about devotion, uh, we've got to look at what the scripture says, and it means we love each other like family. Guys, this is good, right? Romans 12, 9 and 10, uh, it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Uh, both the Greek words for devotion and love right here, they both have this family aspect to them. The brotherly love, the love, the Philadelphia type love here, uh, the phileo, all right? That's the, and devoted has the same root. So um, what we see here is this is the kind of love we're to have, the family love. John Stott, he described, he's a pastor. He says, 
This is the type of love that is tender, warm, affection, that should unite the members of God's family. Uh, remember, you know, when we do this, it's, this is the type of love that comes from being deeply connected to each other. Uh, it, it's a kind of like, you know, in a family, right? You, you don't always get along, but you love each other. And, now, you know, you, you may squabble it with each other, but if someone picks on your younger brother or sister, you're going to stand up for them, right? That's what a family does. That's what it, when we start talking about being devoted to one another, that's the type of, that's the mental image I want you to have, right? That we are devoted, just like in a family, we're devoted to one another, uh, don't react by saying, I can't do that, man. There's just a lot of weirdos. There's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd rather just stay back and not be connected. Right. Uh, let me kind of, let me, let me kind of show you what the message, how it translates this. It says love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't, don't, uh, it says run for dear life from evil. Hold on, uh, for dear life to good, be good friends who love deeply. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. I, I like that. I like how Eugene Peterson kind of uh, phrases that. Be good friends who love deeply. Be good friends who love. That's the, that's the essence of when we talk about loving one another, when, uh, when we read that they'll know we are disciples by how we love, right? This is what we're talking about. It's that, that, that type of family devotion that we have for one another. And so this has a lot, this has a profound implication for us, right? Uh, we already talked about, you know, in the series how we love one another, but this is like putting it into practice. And so uh, let me ask you this. Is this the type of love that you have for your fellow believers? This is why it's so important to be connected to a church family. Now, I know it's kind of unique this morning. I'm talking to an online audience. I know that you're not here in the room with me. I know you're, uh, you're not you know, with us in person, um, at least not today. And, and I love that we have this opportunity to connect online. But it's also vital that we stay connected. It's so easy online to stay connected. Anonymous. We love our anonymity, and and we can kind of just sit back and watch, and again, you know, tune in and out, and catch a few minutes here, catch a few minutes there, and say, yeah, I'm going to church. I still watch online, but it's really hard to live out these one another's. It's really hard to be devoted to one another when we never see one another. You have to be extra intentional to pick up the phone and call or to text or uh, or maybe uh, you you know email each other, you, but you can still stay connected with the body of Christ. And I think it's important as often as you are able, as often as you can, to gather in person with the body of believers. It's what family does, right? It's tough when family is separated. It's tough when you're not here with us. And so I want to encourage you to try to do that if at all possible. Now, for some of you, when I talk about being devoted to family and being devoted to the church, you may be sitting there thinking, I don't know. That's just, that's tough for me. I've had some bad experiences in the church, or I've been let down by people in the family, right? And I would just say it this way, right? If we go out to a restaurant and we get a bad meal or we have bad service, it doesn't mean we're never going to eat again, right? I mean, am I right, right? If you get a bad meal, um, 
you, you, you may go, you may eventually end up going to another restaurant, but it doesn't mean you give up food. Don't give up on church because of a bad experience. Uh, church is imperfect people who are worshiping a perfect God. And so I just encourage you that way, right? Um, and, I, and really, it's not just about attending a local church, but it's about belonging to a church. Um, being devoted to one another as a family, it is so worth the risk. It is so worth the sacrifice. I want to really encourage you to do that. Um, and if you, if you can be part of a church family, you, you end up being part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And you really can learn how you can fulfill your role in that family. And so that kind of brings me to my second lesson this morning. We demonstrate our devotion to one another by honoring each other with our words and with our actions, by honoring each other. And so uh, let me kind of kind of go into the next verse here, Romans 12, 10, uh, the second part of this. We've already had the first part. Here's the second part. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So how do we live out a life of loving devotion to one another? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, we find this sec the answer here in the second half of verse 10. Uh, so we honor one another above ourselves. We give preference to one another. In many English translations, it seems like, okay, we are devoted to one another and then we honor one another. There's kind of two separate thoughts, but in reality, it's one contiguous, one straight thought, right? One, can, one Bible version puts, the, puts it this way. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness to honor one another. And so it's one thought. This is how we are devoted to each other. We show honor to each other. I absolutely love how the ESV translates it. It says, uh, the ESV says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's like a competition, when we're together in a family, this is like the kind of competition I can get into. How can we out-honor one another? And so that's what it says right here. If you're going to be like Christ, you've got to place a high value on honoring people. And so how do you do that? You show them that they are important, that they're important to God, that they're important to you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, uh, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, we're treated with, with special modesty. Uh, in the body of Christ, there's all these different parts of the body. Sometimes, right, it means that we treat people with honor that the world would look at and say they're, they're, not, they're dishonorable, right? That they don't deserve honor. They don't deserve our time, our respect, our energy. But God says, if they're your brother or sister in Christ, you show honor to them. That's, that's how you love them. That's how you show your devotion. You honor them. This is, you know, it just boils down to, to this thought, right? And I'll ask you this. Do you prefer to be honored or to honor others? That, that's really, I think for most of us, we would rather be honored. We like the feeling we get when people pay attention to us, when we're, when we're the center of attention, but we don't always think about honoring others. Christ says, let's flip that. Let's turn it around. It's not just about receiving honor. It's about how we give honor. Uh, William Barclay, he says this, the majority of the trouble in a church family arises when we fail to exhibit our loving devotion by an eagerness to honor one another. The root of the problem is pride. It's just simply pride. 
We need to humble ourselves in order to honor one another, giving them preference and priority over ourselves. And so it just by the we we honor by our words, by our actions, by showing them that they matter to God, they matter to us. That's what honor is all about. Now there's a dark, there there is a dark side to honoring one another, and um, I was reminded of this uh, actually last week. Um, Jennifer and I were watching a documentary online. It's on Discovery uh, about Hillsong, uh, about the mega church in Australia, uh, and is in particular about their New York uh, kind of campus and uh, some of the the bad stuff that went on there, um, and. Um, it, it was interesting. It's it's heartbreaking to see, right? But one of the things they were showing in this church that broke my heart, uh, they the, had this campus, and it was a very popular, very famous church. You know, Hillsong has all these songs that come out of it that the church world knows. But their campus in New York was all about reaching celebrities. And they had an entire VIP section, right, in the front row, uh, like the front of the church. And this is where Justin Bieber and all these celebrities would show up and go to church and even some of the Kardashians and they they were all like there, you know? And so they, and you couldn't sit there unless you were a VIP. And they were like talking about how they honor these celebrities. I'm like, that's not honor. All right. When you read the book of James, when we show partiality to someone because of how much money they have or because of their race or because of their ethnicity or because uh, of who they are or who they know, that's not honor, all right? That's sin, that's flat out sin. It broke my heart to see that, to think, wow, you, you get a special place of honor if you're famous. That's not how church is. In fact, church is the exact opposite. We show honor to everyone just because you are a brother or sister in Christ. There should be no distinction, right? That's what honor is all about. It's in leaving that me first mentality and embracing an others first mentality. And so that's what being devoted to one another and honor and like this brotherly love, it's by showing them honor. That kind of brings me to my next point here this morning. Uh, there is a, a danger for that we run into as we serve and as we uh, are devoted to one another, we show honor to each other. And it's simply this, the danger for any Christian is losing our passion to serve. We get worn out. We get beat down. We get tired. You know, we get to that point where we say, I'm just tired of doing this. I need help. I need a break. Um, I've had people, I mean, this is, I've heard this over and over and over again, right? Uh, throughout my Christian life, it's time for someone else to do it. I've been doing this for so long. I just need a break. I, I want to take a break. I, I, I need someone else to step up and do it. This is a danger for all of us that we grow weary. And so he keeps Paul, he, he keeps talking about this in Romans 12, and he kind of goes right into this in Romans 12, verse 11. And he says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I think we're, we, we've seen an epidemic in the church world today. And I think this has kind of flown or kind of flowed out of that we go to church to get something from church, right? I, I, I would even trace it back to the kind of the push in the 80s and 90s. Uh, there's all these terms that are thrown out, like the, to be a seeker-sensitive church or 
uh, a church that is an attractional model. We want people to be attracted to church. So let's do everything we can to bring people in. And that's why we have coffee shops in church. And that's why I went to a church one time that had racquetball courts and basketball courts, right? And you see, even see bowling alleys in church and you see all these ways that we try to get people to come to us. We want people to be attracted to us. And it's not all bad, but we've got to be careful that that's not our focus because what we've done is we've trained an entire generation of people that church is about what you get from it. It's about what you can consume, not what you can contribute. It's about what you can receive from the church, not what you can give out in service to others. And so my question is, how, how are we serving others? If we're doing it uh, to get a benefit for ourselves, we're going to wear out. We're, gonna, we're not going to have this uh, zeal. We're not going to have this fervor. We're going to get tired. We're going to lose our passion. If we're doing it for the wrong reasons, if we do it without here, without abiding in Christ and receiving strength from Him as we do it, we're going to burn out. Um, if we do it, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's look at Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of it. At just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And this, this ties in so well to what we're talking about this morning in Romans chapter 12. We should do good to everyone, uh, especially to those in the family of faith. We do it by being devoted to one another. We do it by honoring one another. We do it by serving with a spiritual zeal, a spiritual passion. We keep our eyes, right, uh, on, on, uh, on the harvest. I love what Galatians says. At just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. I feel like so often we give up right before the harvest. We give up, all right? We take our eyes off of the prize. We take our eyes off of the kingdom, and we think about, hey, I need a break. I, want, I need me time. And right, we flip it around and we think it's all about us instead of about Jesus. Now, I don't mean we work ourselves silly, but I mean we seek out God and find ways that we can serve Him in everyday life, day in and day out, a healthy rhythm of life where we honor Him, serve Him. We serve one another. And so many times I think we feel like we're not making a difference, but do you realize you have other people watching you all the time, your family, your friends, your kids, your coworkers, your students at school. You've got people watching you all the time. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't lose that spiritual fervor. Um, I've seen it so many times that people say, I just want to go deeper. I just want to be more involved in church. I just want to study. But your faith is really only as deep as the last person you serve. Don't forget that. Brings me to my last point this morning. A true disciple loves one another as they serve one another. If we want to be a true disciple, and that's what we've been talking about this morning, right? Uh, we want to uh, fulfill these one another commands. We're one anothering, right? Um, then we continue to serve one another. And Romans 12, verse 12 says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. You can sum up all the one another commands by simply saying you need to love one another. You need to, to, you just, everything flows out of that love. That's what we're talking about. If we want to love one another, we're going to be joyful even when times are tough. We're going to be patient even when we feel overwhelmed. We're going to be prayerful even when we are busy. We're going to be compassionate even when it means we have to sacrifice. We're going to be hospitable even when we are tired. That's what this whole passage has been telling us, right? We keep pressing forward. We don't give up. We don't lose heart. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We serve with joy and excitement. And I'm telling you, the church needs passionate people. The church needs people who are willing to say, God, use me, send me. I'm here. I'm available. I want to be your servant. We have a hope that the world needs. And it's time for us to get off the sidelines. It's one of the things I love about praising in the park this week. We'll see people uh, from, from all walks of life getting together, and it's hard, it's hot, it's tiring. Uh, the kids get a little crazy. They don't always listen. Things don't always go to plan. We're worried about weather. We're trying to figure out all these moving parts. But in the end, we share Jesus. We share Jesus and the hope we have in him. So let me ask you this morning, how are you sharing the hope that you have in Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Um, I, I want to give you an opportunity right now. You're watching here. And again, I don't know if you're watching on your phone or your computer or on your TV. I don't know if you're at your house or listening in the car. Or you, maybe you're listening in our podcast with your headphones in, walking around or on hiking or on the running trail. I don't know where you're at, what you're doing, but here's what I do know. Wherever you're at, you have an opportunity right now to talk to God, to put your faith in God and to seek him. So will you pray with me wherever you, let's stop whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, and let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this service, for this time. It's a little different today. We're online only. We'll be meeting uh, in, in the park later, but I know that you have spoken to us today. Uh, just as I preach this, Lord, I just feel this, uh, this burning in my, my heart, this passion that I have to tell people about Jesus. I feel like I'm doing what you've created me to do. And I pray, Lord, that whoever's listening today would understand that you've created them for a purpose. You've created them uh, to serve you and that you've created us to, to love one another, to serve one another. And so this morning, um, wherever we're at, wherever, whatever we're doing, this is an opportunity right now to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. That's how we start this whole journey of faith. That's how we, we move forward. We simply trust you. Uh, we trust you with our everything that is within us. We, we confess our sin. We know we need you. We turn to you. We chase after you. Uh, and, and we believe that you, uh, God, that you sent Jesus to be our Savior, to rescue us, to give us hope, to give us a future. Lord, we believe that, God, you raised Jesus from the dead, that after he went to the cross on our behalf, you raised him from the dead, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now, interceding on our behalf. And because of that, Lord, we have this hope that one day we will be with you forever. 
And so right now, Lord, I want to give each and every person just an opportunity to say, yes, I believe. I put my faith, my trust in Jesus. Save me, transform me, help me to live out these one another commands that we've been learning about. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I love, guys, that we were able to talk about this this morning. Uh, I want to remind you that August 20th, we have a baptism service coming up. So wherever you're watching from, we invite you to join us. We'll be at the New River uh, and near Freeze at Camp Dickinson. Uh, so uh, if you don't know where that is, uh, get on our website, mycornerstone.org. You can find out all the details. Uh, if you don't, if you've not downloaded the Church Center app yet, download the Church Center app. On the Church Center app, uh, you can find it on the App Store for Apple, for Android. Uh, you choose Cornerstone and Galax as your church. It has the announcements for today. It has uh, a way that you can give online. And hey, guys, you can help support the ministry, the work we're doing by giving right from your phone, from wherever you're watching at. Uh, we uh, we don't. You're under no obligation to do that, but man, why don't you? We invite you to join in this ministry that we have uh, to to help us serve those. Um, you also can find out about upcoming events and opportunities. We have online classes like Discover Cornerstone uh, that you can learn more about our church. We have Discover Faith if you're a new believer. It's a great way to take your next state, your next step, and learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. You can do those completely online. Uh, so we invite you to do that. Uh, again, we thank you for joining in. This is a great way to stay connected to Cornerstone. And hey, if you're watching this at the 915 service, you have time to come join us in the park at 11 a.m. and bring somebody with you. Um, and so encourage you to do that. Hey, God bless. Have a great week.